everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the mini education series in the BTS podcast. Today's topic will be on perception. If you're new to my podcast, the education series are 10 to 15 minute episodes which teach about psychology, neuroscience, and anything mental health related. Please do like and subscribe if you found this episode interesting, and check out our Instagram page at Behind the Stigma Podcast for more information and news. So, what is perception? Our perception is how we make sense of the world around us. It's our sensory experience of the world. And how we make sense of it is through vision, smell, touch, taste, and hearing. Now, our sensory information must be interpreted by our brain because the information that we usually get from our external environment is a lot. There is not only so much raw information, but information needs to be interpreted, which I will explain shortly. So our brain selects what's important, which can be our life goals, but also short-term goals like pouring a glass of water, and it allows us to perceive this as accurately as possible despite the vast amount of unnecessary and irrelevant simulation. So for example, think of the sound of the AC buzzing in your bedroom. Sometimes the sound just magically disappears because we don't pay attention to it or because our brain no longer picks it up. Or even, for example, the sensation of wearing clothes and how your socks or shorts touch your body. The sound of the AC didn't actually disappear, and you aren't naked, I hope, but this information is still going into your brain, and your hearing and touch receptors are still being activated, but you just don't actively perceive it anymore as sensory information because it's just not relevant to you. So perception is the way something is regarded, understood, or interpreted in our brain through our consciousness. For example, when you're walking at night in the dark and you hear a weird noise, you might interpret or perceive that noise as something scary, when in fact it can be just a cute little kitty, hopefully an exotic short hair I can take home. So when looking at perception, the process begins with an object in the real world and by means of light, sound, touch, or any other physical process, the object stimulates the body's sensory organs and then these senses send messages through receptor cells to our brain through using our nervous system to deliver that message. In this episode, I will focus on one of our most important senses of perception for humans, which is vision, or seeing through our eyes. Now, interestingly for dogs, just a fun fact, their nose tells them much more about their world and who's in it than their eyes. So anyway, for humans, we have a whole section of our brain called the occipital lobe, dedicated only to visual processing. But contrary to popular belief, the way our eyes see is not passive or effortless, meaning it's not like a cinema where it projects what's in front of you. Our vision involves this construction and interpretation that I was talking about a moment ago. It doesn't provide us with an exact copy of the world or a rich and continuous visual environment, and the same principle applies to our other senses too. Now, our vision sees things in a stratified manner, so again, it isn't actually seeing this rich and colorful world that we actually do see. First, our brain processes the most simple effects and then later adds on more complex visual properties. So what I mean is our vision first sees just basic dots, then lines, and then finally edges, which then all form together into the actual object that we see. So hopefully this makes you understand that, for example, the way you see a table isn't an actual representation of a table. Your eyes don't see a table, your brain does. And it is the addition of these properties that make up the final picture. So our eyes aren't just performing a task, they are a portal through which our brain can tell us about our world, learn new things, and make wonderful memories. So hopefully we can appreciate our cute little eyes more. 
This information can sound crazy though, but think of those games you used to play back at school called Spot the Difference. Remember those where you had to find the difference between two similar images? It takes time for us to notice what's missing or changed because of the way vision works and generally our eyes don't see the exact visual world as I was saying. Or have you heard of Rubens' vase? Rubens' vase is a popular optical illusion used to illustrate differences in perception of stimuli where you see either two faces or a vase. Or think of the image of the old woman and the young woman. These images are constructed in a way where we can see two different images. And the brain, where it faces uncertainty, fills in the gaps in knowledge by making assumptions. Usually its assumptions are based on what has been most frequently encountered in the past or basically our perceptions. That's why, you know, some psychologists do say that some people have certain personality traits if they see the young woman versus the old woman or for example if they see the vase first versus the faces. Now there are different explanations on how perception can be processed in our brain. The three main theories that we will be focusing on today are one top-down effects, two bottom-up effects, and three gestalt theory. Now in the top-down process, perception is heavily influenced by our experiences, expectations, and prior knowledge. Put simply, your brain applies what it knows to fill in the blanks and anticipate what's next. For example, suppose you receive an important letter, but there are a few drops of water that have smeared part of the text. Even though there's, you know, a few letters that are missing, you're still able to read that letter in its entirety using this top-down processing. On the other hand, in bottom-up processing, it's when we transform sensory information to actual information. So the environment, the stimuli influences our thinking. So these processes we can call as being data-driven. And then finally, the gestalt theory of perception emphasizes that the whole of anything is greater than its parts. For example, when thinking of a person, we don't think of them as arms, legs, and a head. Without perception, your friend's face is just a combination of random shapes. Perception allows us to make meaning of our senses. We see them as a whole person and recognize them as such. Or think back to the example I gave earlier of spot the difference. We don't always notice these little details. It's the overall picture that we usually see. But perception isn't just about the external world or external stimuli. It can also be influenced by our mood, culture, and the experiences that we have, context, and our prior expectations. For example, perception can be based on core negative beliefs you have about yourself, and you can interpret a friend not responding to your message as a sign that they are purposefully ignoring you instead of them just being busy. Or even language can influence the way we perceive or understand things. Are you bilingual? If so, do you sometimes feel or perceive yourself to be two different people depending on the language you speak? Think about that for a second. But there is also self-concept and perception, and this term describes the collection of beliefs people have about themselves, including elements such as intelligence, gender roles, sexuality, racial identity, and many others. If I believe myself to be an attractive person, I might interpret stares from strangers as admiration. However, if I believe that I am unattractive, I might interpret those same stares as negative judgments. And the term person perception refers to the different mental processes that we use to form impression of other people. So this includes not just how we form these impressions, but the different conclusions we make about other people based upon our impressions. So what we see is the realm of the mind, not of the eye. And finally, I want to talk about perception through an experiment called the rubber hand illusion. So basically, in the rubber hand illusion, one hand, let's say your right hand, is placed on a table, and then your other hand, so in this case your left hand, is hidden from view, and a fake rubber hand is placed on the table where your other real hand should have been. So essentially, you're staring at two hands, one which is your own, and the other which is a fake rubber hand that looks like your real hand. And what the experiments did in the study is that they start brushing both hands using a paintbrush. 
your real one, and then the fake rubber hand. So the idea in the study is that when you are seeing touch and feeling touch on an object that looks like a hand and is placed exactly where your real hand should be placed, this somehow gives your brain the signal or this best guess interpretation that the fake hand is in fact your real hand and the brain trusts what it sees over what it feels. And what's even more interesting or crazy, as the volunteers in the study see the fake rubber hand as their own, their real hand that is hidden from sight has a harder time to kick into gear and the temperature of the real hand usually dropped as if the brain, which controls body temperature, no longer considers it a part of their own body. So this study is just cool in questioning what our brain perceives. And even if we think about it and go much deeper into it, what even is reality and how we see reality or how we perceive things? So even the experiences that we think are our body is, as the neuroscientist Anil Seth says, a best guess or a controlled hallucination. Anil says that what we perceive isn't an accurate reflection of a real externally existing world. In fact, perception and hallucination are based on similar processes. They are our brain's interpretation of many inputs, ambiguous sensory inputs. He says, and I quote, the way I prefer to think of perception is as a process of active construction, a controlled hallucination. So we don't passively perceive the world, we actively generate it. What about the huge debate on the internet known as the dress? Some people saw the dress being blue and black and others as white and gold. And these are due to the differences in our visual perception. People's perceived color is also informed by their perception of lighting. And according to neuroscientists in their perception of daylight. So people who thought it was illuminated by natural light were more likely to see it as white and gold and vice versa. So the next time you perceive something scary, just tell yourself it'll be fine. We are hallucinating all the time anyway. And as Anil says, when we agree about our hallucinations, that's what we call reality. Well, there you have it. We have come to the end of our very brief and introductory episode to perception. I'd like to remind you that yet again, perception is a huge field in psychology, which has so much depth to it. And this was merely covering some of the basics and a peek into its vast and rich world. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll definitely catch you in the next one. 